Welcome everyone, we're about to begin, Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayes, Shir, number 315. We're going to talk today about how marriage could be an opportunity into self-awareness, and that is really one of the purposes of marriage, and once we know that, it could transform our lives with our husbands and wives to a most unbelievable, wonderful degree, and... I heard a lot of this from this person, David Rauscher. Very fascinating uh, demonstration on discussing this thing of what we're talking about today. And um, what he said is that he had hundreds of people coming to him, and they all said the same thing. They said, I just got a divorce three years ago, and I remarried now, and I can't believe that I ended up marrying the same animal or the same witch that I divorced. Hundreds of people told them this. And they were not joking. They were sharing some type of deep struggle within them. How is it possible that I got myself, after knowing and experiencing everything negative that I experienced with my first husband and first wife, that I end up exactly in the same situation again? And he heard this hundreds of times. And to explain how this works um, is to understand the concept that marriage is not just love. Yes, you need love in marriage. It is important, ahava. But marriage is not just love. He said something very interesting. He gave, uh, someone said this statement, that let's say, you know, someone is at a party, looked across the room, he locked eyes with somebody from the opposite gender that he never met before. He, his breathing starts getting deeper. His hands get sweaty. Obviously, he is attracted to this other person. So the advice that's given is run. Just, just, just get out. Why? Why? Because you just met someone who intuitively touched one of the wounds you carried through childhood. There's a lot of truth in that. Now, you could say superficially... This is all nonsense. <laughs> you got attracted to person because the Yetzirah got the better of you. Opposite genders attract. And you saw someone that you got attracted to. On the superficial level, that could, that could very well be. Could very well be that that's the case. But there's some truth to this. That sometimes when we're intuitively track, attracted to somebody, um, you, they basically touched upon one of those wounds that we carry inside through childhood that we sort of feel unconsciously that this person could make it feel better. This person could make it all go away. That's an unconscious feeling. It's a motivation that many of us sometimes marry, whether they express it or not, whether they even realize it or not, is because part of it is to heal the wounds of their childhood. And that's a major, major issue, this unconscious agenda, that you feel you're not whole, you have your wounds from childhood, from the teenage years, you suffered through different things, and you feel, consciously or unconsciously, that this marriage, I'm going to marry this wife or this husband, this person can help me. This person can help me deal with the inner wounds of my childhood. This person can give me the Yeshua that I need. And the truth be told is they can't. 
They cannot heal your wounds. He brings down a fascinating, and I believe this is so important. It's generalization. What we're going to say now is a generalization. It's more complicated than this. But to make it simple, here's the generalization. In general, there are two types of childhood. Obviously, there's one something in the middle of between these two extremes. That's healthy. And Baruch Hashem, many of us, were Zaycha to have an health, a healthy environment, a healthy childhood like that. But the, the two extremes are as follows. One is an enmeshed family, and one is an invisible family. And I think everyone, or most of you rather, really everyone, everyone that hears this is going to relate to it. Most may relate because they fell into one of these two categories in some way or another. And some of you know people who fell into these two categories in their family life. There's an enmeshed family and there's an invisible family. What's the difference between the two? An enmeshed family means that everyone is enmeshed with one another. Everyone is in everyone else's business. may sound good. shows that you care about each other, right? But it's more than that. They're so enmeshed with each other that everyone is on top of one another. There's a lot of criticizing. People are telling you what to do, how to do it. That's called an enmeshed family, where, in a weird way, basically, you were paid too much attention to. They never let you be. They hounded you and, um, and, and, and was always on top of you. That's an enmeshed family. The opposite extreme of that is an invisible family. Visible family means that you were, could happen when you have a large mishpacha and, you know, and you're like sort of the odd man out. Could be even by small mishpachas that you're just simply not noticed. There's no real true love or feeling there in that in the home. And um, you don't believe that you're you're worth much and they don't they didn't really want to deal with you. Neglected to a certain extent. That is an invisible family. So in an enmeshed family, you get you were paid too much attention in a critical way. An invisible family, you were paid too little attention. So each one, and and again, families vary, but I think everyone listening here senses, if Baruch Hashem, they had a healthy family environment, that's beautiful, but sense that they're not to their family to either the invisible family side or the enmeshed family side. And what happens is, is like this. You have wounds that come out of the childhood. The enmeshed one has his own wounds, or her wounds, and the one who came from the in, in, quote-unquote invisible family has their own wounds. And they go into marriage thinking that this is all going to make things right. And the truth is, is that there is no perfect marriage, and there is no perfect person. It does not exist. All people that get married have to do work in every marriage. They have to work. And you have to learn how to do your own self-work. That's a very, very, very important idea. So that's the idea, because what happens is, is if you don't come to that realization that it's not, it's not my wife that's the problem or causing me my agony, it's not my husband that's the real issue here. It's what happens is 
is if you don't realize that, then either they're going to blame us or we're going to blame them. And there'll be no self-work. When there's no self-work or there's no realization that you have to work on yourself, obviously you're going to blame. That's, that's the default position that you blame. The big difference between pointing out a valid point about a, a issue you're having than blame. But overall, either it's, it's not about you and it's not about them. So for example, when we blame someone else for something, usually we're, it's not about them. They're not the problem. It's something within us. And when they blame us, it's the same thing. It's not about us. What they're doing is they're shearing their wounds and they're asking you to fix it. Not consciously, but unconsciously. So, for example, if let's say you're an employee, okay, and your boss is in a very bad mood in the last couple of days and has been yelling and screaming and really, really giving it to you, ripping into you, okay? So, in a certain isolated occasions or some occasions, okay, you understand why your boss is upset about something, whatever it is, but if it's ongoing behavior and it, you see it's not really related to your work, whether you did a good job, not a good job, but he's just, he or she is doing this, obviously, in a subconscious way, they're having a hard time in their life, they have their own wounds, and they're throwing it and piling it on you, telling telling you in an indirect way, okay, I am moody, I am this the way I am, I'm upset and this and that, you fix it. And that's really what's happening here. And the truth is, is no one can fix their own, uh, no one can fix the other people's wounds. You have to fix it yourself. Of course, there's tefillah, other ways of doing it. You have to work out the process of childhood. We have to fix our own wounds. Ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to remove the, 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 the negative that's in your heart and ask for healing. Yes, of course. But, you, but, but we cannot fix anyone else and we cannot blame anyone else. Then he brings an interesting aside here based on this that's very, very important to know. He says what happens is when you're in the enmeshed family, when people were told you always what to do, when you were constantly overlooked and monitored. and So then there's a point where you say, I don't want this. So you become a distancer. So people that are originally coming from enmeshed families where they're on top of each other and they distance themselves, and their greatest fear is criticism. They, they will be fearful of being criticized. That is the distancer. So they withdraw and they shut down because they don't want to be exposed to the criticism that that they that they that they that they feel they're going to, going to experience. Then you have a pursuer. A pursuer comes from an invisible family. They want not appreciation. They need or attention. They need they they want intimacy. They want intimacy, so therefore they're going to, because they were invisible till now, and they're going to shower attention. They're afraid of abandonment, and they want closeness. And so they they go overboard with that to the distancer, while the distancer is a is is getting that attention now, which they don't want because they want what they need is appreciation. So you have the distancer whose main motivation is they fear criticism and they're craving 
for appreciation, and you have a pursuer that fears abandonment and loves closeness. So therefore, they're pushing and showering on, on people so they can get close to them. But if that doesn't happen, they get upset and they get angry, they get pushy, they get critical. And all of this is simply about the, the, the feeling abandonment response. So for the distancer, the default response is they're going to withdraw, they're going to shut down. For a pursuer, they're going to be frustrated and because you're not you know, receiving their attention that they're giving you the way they want you to. So they feel abandoned and they feel angry and they feel hurt. So that, the idea behind this model of what he's trying to explain, just to make it put in simple terms, is that you have two people in a box, so to speak, and that's the marriage box. You, 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 with friends, you could like, sort of take a vacation from. With your wife, with your husband, you're under the same roof all the time. And, and what, what's happening is, is there's a tremendous pain when they don't um, understand what they really need and what they really need to work on. So the distancer does not feel appreciated and the pursuer feels abandoned. And that creates a vicious cycle. And what really needs to happen, the solution to this is, the solution is, the, is to this is, is to be willing to become self-aware. To be willing to look inward. To realize your patterns of behavior. So let's take, for example, the pattern of the distancer. A distancer needs to realize, okay, I, can't, I grew up in a family where they were always on top of me and they were overly critical of me. And they always told me what to do and I felt stifled in the family that I grew up. So therefore, my initial reaction is to do the opposite, is to withdraw. I got too much attention, but now I want to withdraw. I want to withdraw, but not because, um, but, but the truth be told is I don't want the attention because I had all that negative attention when I was younger, but I want appreciation. I fear criticism, but I want appreciation. But they withdraw, do they they withdraw and they shut down. That's their natural response. They need to realize what they're doing. So that spouse that's withdrawing needs to understand that they're withdrawing. Why are they withdrawing? Because they felt very pained. And they need appreciation now and not necessarily attention. And the pursuer, they're going through their family cycle. They came from a family where they were invisible. No one paid attention to them. They they need intimacy. They fear fear. They fear abandonment. And because they fear abandonment, they push to connect to their spouse and when they don't get that response because the other spouse is a distancer and they're withdrawing, they get angry. And when they really feel ab- abandoned, they get even more angry. So the idea behind this is when you're aware of this pattern, the solution to the pattern is, is to be realizing and self-aware that you need to heal your wounds. You need to understand, like what we said before, that there's no perfect, perfect person. There's a lot of self-work. And you have to be willing to become self-aware. 
I think that's really the nakuda of marriage that people don't like to think about, don't even hop that that's what's going on, but that is what's really going on. That even in the best of marriages, it's a lot of hard work, there's a lot of ups and downs, there's some agmas nefesh connected with it, which is definitely, definitely billion times over worth it. And on marriage, you could say, taka applies also what it says, hazoyrim bedima berine yikzairu, that if you plant, even with tears, meaning with strong efforts you put in, even if it's difficult, berine yikzairu, you'll, you'll with joy, you'll, you'll enjoy the, 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 the cut harvest uh, of, of the fields, and you'll enjoy it. So you have to be willing to be self-aware. And you, need, and you have to be willing to look inward. And marriage is that opportunity to do that inner work. To do that inner work. So the minute you recognize that pattern in yourself, and you own up to it, you own up to it saying, okay, my, my wife, my husband, they're not perfect either, but I know I have issues that I have to deal with. I know I am withdrawing partially as a response of a fear of rejection, or I know that I'm pursuing and being a little overbearing because of the fact that I was invisible up to now, and I'm pushing myself on my spouse more than I should and invading the privacy more than I should, and so on and so forth. But once you realize that, once you realize that it's a great opportunity when you work on it, talking to friends, responsible friends, talking to therapists, or and davening and soul searching, ultimately, ultimately, the energy will flow and the pain will dissipate. And you need to understand, I'll be Messiah over here, who said very interesting. When you see, and it's very rare, but you do see it, you have a couple, one is 80, they're both in their 80s, for example, they're an old, older couple, and they're holding hands and they're walking on the street, and you can see clearly that they're connected and they love each other, and it's wonderful, and it's perfect. But the answer is, though, it is not perfect. It was never perfect. It's two people that were willing to love each other as flawed individuals, as flawed individuals, and to decide that this is the imperfect person with all their flaws, that I that is my zivik that I want to pay the rest of my attention to, and that I want to live the rest of my life with. That is really what it's all about. So this is people will resist listening to listen to the shir is you know that's one thing, but to contemplate that idea because right away your your hyper focus is on the things that your husband is doing wrong of that, what your wife is doing wrong. And you may have some legitimate points. No one's saying, because they're flawed. They're not perfect. They have their own issues too. There's no question about it. But the key is, is if you turn the mirror the other way around and you look at yourself, which is very, very hard to do sometimes, very, very painful to do sometimes. But the idea is, is you start realizing the truth of what we said, is that a lot of your reaction, your negative reaction of judging your wife or judging your husband in a negative vein, is because of your inner wounds that you didn't yet heal, that you're expecting the marriage should heal, or your wife should heal, or your husband should heal, and it doesn't work like that. So the key behind this is, obviously, it's better to have a two-way street than a one-way street, and if a husband and wife together, especially if they listen to something like this, recognize and look inward and realize, you know something, 
I was hurt by my husband because he said this and this and he did this and this. And there are things about my husband that are flawed, that have flaws in it, that do bother me. And I'm not going to deny that. But the truth be told is if I think deeply into it, I know that a lot of my behaviors or my hookups um, and my things that I'm patterned in a negative way is 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 because of my own out, uh, look, uh, outlook in life, because of the, my own things that I know I need to work and on to fix. So that's really the idea. Once you have that awareness, marriage is a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to do that inner work. And the Akash will help us do it because once we come to the outside of that and we're self-aware, the tension goes away, the Ahava comes back full force, there's a mutual love and understanding where they're not judging each other in that way. And it'll end up being a beautiful garden like HaKadosh Baruch Hu always envisioned it and wanted it to be. Hatzlacha and bracha.